Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. You're listening to the MLS Multiplex Podcast with contributors from MLSMultiplex.com. Of the MLS Multiplex podcast. As usual, it is Drew here with Connor and Josh. But unlike usual, usually we record our episodes around 9 on Mondays, and we're recording this one at 6.30 on a Monday. That's because Josh and I's beloved Atlanta Braves are in the NLCS against the Los Angeles Dodgers. So before we get into the episode talking all things MLS, Josh, how are you feeling? How has your week been? And more importantly, what is your series prediction for the NLCS? I want to know who wins the series and in how many games. Oh man. Um, <laughs> well, the week the week was pretty good. I didn't mention it last week, but I started a newsletter like many writers are doing these days. But one of the reasons why I created it was so I could write about whatever I wanted to write about outside of soccer. And so far, of the two newsletters I've written, it's been very baseball oriented including the one i put out this morning which really focused on the dodgers and braves talking about why the braves are going to lose the series essentially <laughs> so i've got i don't have no faith in them to be honest well i said this in the newsletter but i just wanted them to win a series and so they did that against cincinnati and everything since then has just been a little something extra for me to just sit back and enjoy granted i have never been more stressed than watching playoff baseball but that being said i think the Dodgers experience is going to win out big time and they're going to win in either four games or five games. So I'm calling it now. I think I, man, your face is surprised, but I just, uh, I just, I can't, I just can't allow myself to have hope. You know, it's just not fair to me. I got to watch out for myself here. So I'm going, I'm going Dodgers win in either four or five games. So, but if the Braves win tonight, I think that's a really good sign. I think their record 
uh, when they win the first game of a series, there's some weird stat they have where they lost the first game of every series since 2001, except this year. And then they started winning the first games of series, and obviously they're undefeated. So as you can tell, not feeling great, already stressed out. So I'll try to have fun. Connor, how are you doing? I am doing great. I'm on reading week, as I said, uh, it would be this week, which is amazing. I can just sort of relax a bit and uh, do all of the work that I have, which I've been pre- procrastinating to do already. Um, but hockey free agency happened last Friday. The draft happened Tuesday and Wednesday, and the Leafs did pretty good in free agency considering they got TJ Brody and uh, a few other fringe guys, I guess, uh, made a couple trades, or one trade, I guess, involving Andreas Janssen. But yeah, hockey's been basically my entire life as I prepare stuff and notes for the other podcast that I do. Um, but yeah, I watched the last like five minutes of the Lakers game last night. So seeing that was kind of interesting. But yeah, it's been pretty decent. Drew, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty good. Um, unfortunately, I am not on reading week, so I still have class, but that's that's how it is. Um, yeah, the Braves is are becoming like the source of all my stress right now, and I'm I'm kind of a little more optimistic in, than Josh in this. I'm saying Dodgers in seven, so I think the Braves are going to push it a little bit. I trust Max Fried, man. I trust him. Um, but yeah, the Falcons made some coaching and GM moves Thank yesterday. God. Thank God. That was long overdue, I think, but starting to see some change, hopefully in Atlanta, because we're 0-5 for the first time in my life. I think the last time they went 0-5 to start a year was 97, and I was born in 99. So glad to see that. Kind of glad, I guess. I mean, you never want to see someone get fired, but I also don't want to see the Falcons keep losing these games that they should have won. Um, so besides that, good, uh, great talk. Watched a good bit of soccer, watched a little bit of the Lakers game last night, um, which I'm not a big Laker fan at all, but seeing them win it, given their circumstances, was pretty awesome. So that was cool. Um, but yeah, um, talk, getting into MLS and just soccer in our podcast. Uh, we talked a little bit last week about games potentially getting postponed and canceled, and that did happen. I think last week we specifically mentioned a Wednesday night game between Colorado and LAFC, and that was postponed along with Dallas, Minnesota, Orlando City, and Columbus, and Colorado, um, and the Galaxy. So, guys, now that we're on the other end of these postponements, how do you think, I guess, Connor, we'll start with you, how do you think these games being postponed is going to change the landscape of the rest of this year? I think this is just the beginning. Uh, I think this is the initial opening of the floodgates, I guess, as you could say. Uh, It's inevitable, I think, in the long run in terms of there being positive cases and games being postponed. But the fact that we had four games total postponed is not a good thing. Um, It's just, I don't see this getting any better. I just see this getting worse, especially as we get into the fall and winter months. It's, I'm not very optimistic about getting a full season in, I guess. I think that we'll get an MLS Cup champion, but I don't think we'll get a full season. And I'll be really interested to see what they do with the playoffs because as the MLB is doing and as the NBA did, uh, 
they might do, or I would like them to do, a bubble for the playoffs. But we'll see whether or not that's actually feasible and possible. Um, but yeah, it's just, it's not a good sign when you're watching these games continue to get postponed and in very quick succession. It's There's going to be issues for MLS ahead, for sure. Yeah, I think I'm on the same boat with you. A bubble would be interesting, given that they just got out of a bubble. Um, but NWSL is kind of doing it, but where they play in Utah, and now they're doing their fall series, which I think Portland just won the fall series, so that's a little bit of extra news. Josh's beloved uh, Portland Thorns got it done. So, And then Connor, yeah, the Houston Dash won the Challenge Cup. Josh's Thorns won the fall series. And then the Courage, the team, the defending champions, have not done anything. So this is kind of a bummer for me in the NWSL. But yeah, I think it's been a weird stretch for sports right now because you have the NFL. It kind of feels like COVID's just now hitting them with games getting postponed. Um, I think the Titans and the Patriots have been two of the major teams as far as those outbreaks. But yeah, I think I'm a little more optimistic than you, Connor, about this outbreak. I think we'll have some more, but I don't know if I would describe it as floodgates per se. Um, But I think I'm honestly kind of impressed that it took this long. Like after a while there, it felt like we were going to get through this whole season without an outbreak like this. And then it happened, and now it's kind of a damper on things. But I'm a little more optimistic than you. I think we'll get a full season. Maybe they'll do where it's by points per game, not so much just straight-up points because you have some teams not playing the same number of games as other teams. Josh, how do you think these outbreaks and postponements are going to change the season? Well, so far it's been fairly contained. Obviously, Colorado's had the most issues. They've had the longest outbreak for now it's been weeks now for them that they've had to be canceling games whereas you know other teams it's been here or there i think i even saw you know columbus's game against orlando was postponed because of a uh, because of a positive test and i think i saw today that the test for columbus came back it was ended up being a false positive so hopefully it doesn't spread within the teams that are sort of dealing with this like we saw with Colorado and hopefully Colorado is the only team that really has to deal with these postponements because I think as of right now the way the schedule was built Dallas Minnesota and then Orlando City and Columbus Crew that can be pushed back to I think the last week there's a Wednesday night that's open with Colorado though now they've got like three or four games that have to be made up so it's gonna be really tough for them so hopefully it doesn't spread within teams and and like you said, we can get somewhat of a season done. I'm with you, though, Drew. I'm a little more optimistic about them finishing, especially because it's taken so long for them to run into this issue. Whereas, like you said, the NFL, it seemed like they started running into issues in week two. And MLS has been going for about, it's been like six weeks now, seven, eight, two months, 10 games per team about. So they seem to be handling things a little bit better. Yeah. What worries me, though, is seeing stuff come out uh, like today with the Sam Johnson stuff. Um, if you didn't see that, it was an interesting situation to say the least. Uh, basically, RSL Forward, who's a DP, held parties of over 100 people at his house. Uh, there were shots fired at one of the recent ones. And yeah, basically, he's being, I guess, investigated now. Uh, he's tested negative consistently, so that's always a good thing. But you can't really be doing that. And if we're hearing about this after he's held multiple parties from the sounds of it, 
that doesn't lend itself to being a very good sign for MLS tracking what the players are doing and keeping the players in check, I guess. Yeah, I think you're absolutely right. I think when you think of this kind of situation, I feel like the only comparison is Major League Baseball, right, where there were no fans in the stands as really with every sport, I feel like, but they were in their home market. So there's kind of that responsibility on the players to not have parties with hundreds of people in them. And it's kind of just taking the honor code system that you'll follow those rules because you want to play. And I'm um, doing that, obviously, not in line with COVID protocols on um, the shooting thing. I think that was pretty recent, right, that they reported that there were shots at his house. So that's a recent development. But again, I feel like when you're in the situation, you have to take responsibility as a player, as a leader um, on your team. He's a DP, right, a leader in the locker room that you're not going to be doing these things and so that you, you stay healthy, your team stays healthy. So whenever they're on the field, they have the best chance to win. Um, but going outside of MLS a little bit, not really getting some international news. We talked about this a little last week about MLS clubs allowing players to go on international duty, specifically with Conmebol Ball and World Cup qualifying in South America. Um, it's reported that four Peru players tested positive, uh, one of which being Raul Ruiz Diaz, which I guess not to harp on this really quickly, guys, but Josh, did you, I guess when we were talking about the situation, did you expect positive cases to come out of letting players go for international duty? Not necessarily. I think I've I personally have become a little naive about COVID and its impact in sports because, and I think Connor said this a few minutes ago, it really did feel like for a while things were okay, and it wasn't really an issue for anybody. MLB dealt with their issues at the beginning of the season. That's since gone away. NBA had no issues whatsoever. It seemed like they had that one player that brought in someone from outside the bubble, and they got punished accordingly, and that never became an issue. Never spread. And, you know, like we were saying with MLS, it's been fine other than Colorado and now these couple games that have been canceled. So, you know, I I, ne- I wasn't necessarily expecting it. Now that it's happened, obviously this is an issue. Rui Diaz was already going to have to quarantine regardless. So it's going to be uh, interesting uh, for me to see what's going to happen with that and, and you know whether or not... Rui Diaz is ready to go by the time he's back or if he's going to have to quarantine even longer. So I'm, I'm interested to see how that, that, that situation is handled. Yeah, I, I'm i in a similar boat as to you. I didn't think necessarily that there would be cases, but I also look at potentially the countries that they're going to. And, you know, in Canada and the U.S., obviously they're very wealthy and they're doing a lot more testing, I would assume. I'm not really up on it. But when you're getting a group of people together from all over the planet, you're bound to have somebody come from one of these sort of, I guess, hot spots. Uh, in a lot of cases, it'll be the U.S., but because of the testing, the MLS, and I guess the other leagues are doing, maybe that's not so apparent. But yeah, I look, it was going to happen. And it's unfortunate that it had to happen to Raul Rui Diaz, but you were going to get cases. I feel like that was an inevitability. So I think they just got to sort of deal with it and keep moving forward. It's a tough blow for Seattle, but we'll see what happens. Uh, Drew, do you have any sort of thoughts on this? Sorry. I wanted to throw in there. I think the only little silver lining to this is that, and in terms of an MLS perspective, this happened to Rui Diaz outside of the league on international duty. And so hopefully 
he's dealt with it and battled through it and he won't end up spreading it to anybody once he gets back stateside i guess that's that's probably like the only small silver lining to it but i also want to throw out um this hasn't been like officially confirmed so it is possible that Rui diaz isn't one of the players that tested positive no one's really made an official announcement on it but those rumors did start popping up early today so definitely something to keep an eye out on yeah and kind of getting off the COVID talk and to some more good news um u.s men's national team it looks like they're back or going to be back um serginio dest i guess i don't know if he said in the podcast if he probably wasn't supposed to say it at all but he said i it think it was a press conference uh barcelona press conference they had a one with just american media i think i saw and i guess this wonderful tidbit of news slipped out um but coming from Sergio Dest directly, um, he said that the men's national team will play friendlies. Um, it's kind of confusing the way it was worded. At Wales and versus Australia next month, and because of travel restrictions, it's only going to be European-based players, which I thought was really interesting. Because so many times, like you watch men's national team friendlies, right? And you, yeah, we all want to see the Polisics, the Tyler Adams, and it feels like we never get that opportunity. But now. That's the only chance we got, right, is to watch Christian Belizic and Tyler Adams. So I saw a funny tweet, Rob Ustery, um, with Dirty South Soccer, said something like, not only is he like this young town, but he's also U.S. Soccer Communications Director. Um, so I don't think that was supposed to happen at all, but I forgot like how much I missed men's national team games. Like, I don't know what I, I'm so excited about this, and I don't know why. I'm excited for the reason you said, Drew. Like, people always want just the Europe players. Like they always want like the best possible starting 11. And usually in that starting 11, it's mostly the European players. So, I mean, it's not going to happen because at least half the team will be injured in a month. But if they're all healthy, then yeah, we'd get to see Pulisic and Reyna and Adams and McKinney. That, that's the midfield everybody wants to see. They want to see Reyna, McKinney, Adams together. And that's a real, real possibility and Zach Steffen's already over there, Josh Sargent. I mean, like these are like these are the players, man. These are the players. Maybe Tim Weah gets a, a call up. You know, maybe he gets a chance after being out of the picture for so long, dealing with injuries. So definitely interesting. Unfortunately, we're playing Wales, which is a pretty good UEFA team. Like they're definitely got to deal with Gareth. Yeah, Bale, I don't right? know if he'll. I mean, chances are he'll still be hurt. If he'll yeah. play, right? although he. Spurs was putting out some excellent training footage of him getting me really hyped up for when he finally takes the field. But yeah, like Wales has him. They have Ben Davies, Andy Roberts. No, he's Scottish, I think. But they they got a Wales definitely have a couple players Andy that you Robertson? recognize. The Liverpool player? Is he Wales? Is he is he Welsh? He's Scotland. He's Scottish. Okay. Yeah, see I, I was getting that confused. Um, no, he's he's Scottish. Don't let Wales what don't what Wells? Don't let Wales take that from us, please. <laughs> He's all we have. So definitely, Kane. definitely be interesting to see all the all the Europe-based players, and this will definitely give like, it, you know what? Maybe this will be a little consolation prize for the end of 2020 for how just bad everything has been generally. And and like you said, I mean, I'm I'm with you. I didn't even realize I missed U.S. soccer. I've just been excited about all the individual players doing their own things at their clubs. And, and I, you know, honestly, I wasn't even expecting them to meet this year. At this point, I was thinking, ah, you know what? They're not going to get a chance until maybe January when it's a domestic camp anyway, when it's all the, the U.S.-based players. So 
definitely a nice little nice little surprise. Hopefully it comes together. Hopefully there are no issues before then. Be interesting to see how it turns out. And another really awesome surprise, it's not on the outline, but we have to mention the U.S. women's national team also called up for camps. Um, I'm not sure where the camp is, but Aubrey Bledsoe got called in to the national team camp along with a lot of really other awesome names. So U.S. men and women's national team finally getting together after this crazy year that's felt like a million years. Really good to see both national teams getting back in action. Um, but coming a little more to MLS, uh, New York Red Bulls right fired Chris Armas, um, but that job has now been filled. Um, they did not do what Atlanta United did. They got it done pretty fast. They hired Gerard Struber as their new head coach. Uh, he's coming from the championship. Uh, he spent six years as an academy coach for Red Bull Salzburg. So Red Bull kind of staying in this family, this Red Bull tree. And I'm really excited about it because of his time, specifically as an academy coach, because I feel like Red Bull has this like brand and identity of developing young players which talked about yeah they won one nothing and the guy scored against Atlanta United in his debut I think he was 17 years old so Red Bull has this identity of developing young players and selling them off um, within this Red Bull family of Tyler Adams so I'm excited specifically about that academy coach part of them just because I don't know exactly what the Red Bull New York Red Bull Academy is looking like right now but I think Going that academy route really opens the door for a guy who knows how to develop young players, right? And in a league that is focusing so much on getting homegrown players, selling them to Europe, making a profit, and kind of continuing this process, I think having that experience as an academy manager uh, is really important. And I think that's going to be awesome to help continue this identity that Red Bull has built for themselves. Yeah, I'm really excited about this hire for Red Bulls. I, As much as I hate to say this, as an Atlanta fan, I miss Red Bulls and their their press. I miss that Red Bull way. Like Jesse Marsh had them coached up really, really well, and he was very good about instilling that style. And Chris Armas, you know, he, he did some good things with the club, I think, and I don't think he was necessarily given a fair shot in the eyes of the fans. However, he never it never felt like he was gung-ho about the pressing in the same way that Marsh was. And they were super successful. They won, I think, two Supporter Shields when Marsh was coach. So I'm excited to see them sort of get back to that. And I was reading about Struber's time at Barnsley. And he wasn't there for very long. And he came in when the club was in the relegation zone, I believe, of the championship. And he ended up winning most of his games for the remainder of the season when he took over. So the fact that he's able to do it in what I think is probably the most competitive league in the world in the championship, like that's so tight. That's like cutthroat right there. So for him to have some success coming in midway through the season, I'm excited to see what he can do with Red Bulls. Yeah, it's going to be really interesting, interesting to see what he can do with that team because they're clearly struggling. Uh, but yeah, it's, I think it's a decent hire. It's again, not surprised that Red Bull are sticking in their system. They basically use, New York Red Bull as an academy team or as a development team. Um, but it's always good when you can bring in a good manager. Uh, let's move on to a different manager who he didn't have as good a week as Mr. Stuber. Um, ben Olsen was mutually, mutually parted ways with DC United. Uh, he's been with the club since I believe it was like 1999 or in the 90s. Uh, 90s. It's been around for a long time, so 
What do you guys think about this? Do you think this is a good time to fire him? Bad time? What are your sort of thoughts? I think it was an interesting time to fire him because making the change with there's only like a handful of games left. Like we're now in that home stretch. Like I don't think it's really going to change anything for them. That being said, like it is definitely time for Olsen to stop being manager. He, I've been there's still people saying that he's going to stay with the club in some sort of other position, which I hope he does because he's been with them for a really long time, both as a player and a coach. Saw some stat um, the other day. I think it was one of the Opta accounts tweeted out, but he's played or coached in 71% of DC United's matches, like ever. And that's just ridiculous, especially as one of the original clubs for MLS. So, like, we're talking, like, 17, 18 years. And and so that's just insane to me. So I hate to see him go just because I, I think he's one of the more interesting coaches in the league. He's definitely a fun fun guy to, to listen to and hear his thoughts on a variety of subjects, not just soccer. So hopefully he can stay with the club as someone who's been so representative of D.C. United for so long. But it was definitely time for him to, to stop managing. Yeah, I agree. I think when you look at DC United, I mean, I think, yeah, I don't have the standings right in front of me, but like we said last week multiple times, they're the worst team in the league. I think it's not that hard of an argument to say that. Um, but yeah, I think I agree that I would like to see him continue at the club because of how much he's done over the time. And yeah, it was maybe you bring up a good point with the interesting timing that there's not a whole lot of games left. I don't know if they've officially been eliminated from the playoffs, but they've, I don't think they're making the playoffs. So maybe you could justify keeping him on for the rest of the season, bringing in a new coach and just having the new coach with the players over the off season. Um, maybe it should have been done earlier because this timing, like you said, is pretty weird that there's not a whole lot of games left. DC United not looking like they're going to make the playoffs even as that final spot. So, but maybe the mindset is to get this done and get the ball rolling for next season. Um, again, whoever they hire, we don't know yet. Um, but yeah, I thought again it needed to happen. Uh, obviously, you don't want to see someone lose their job, but again, hopefully he stays with the club because of how big of a deal he was to DC United. Connor, did you have any thoughts as DC United, the bogey team of Toronto? Um, do you have any thoughts about Ben Olsen? leaving dc i would like to see him stay in a role just because he's been around for so long uh, i think it probably was time especially with their play this season they do have a good roster i don't think you can really deny the top half of that team is very good um but it clearly just wasn't clicking anymore and maybe he stays on in some sort of leadership role or he stays on as i don't know a scout or he takes over the youth system, something along those lines. I don't think it's time for them to actually fully move on from Ben Olsen because he's basically that club, and it's tough to move on from that. Someone who wasn't tough to move on from, clearly, was Mitria, who was loaned to Saudi Arabia for 18 months. I have a couple questions, and most of them coming from uh, fellow contributor at MLS Multiplex, Cameron Albert, who uh, we were going to try to have on the podcast today, but unfortunately the timing just didn't really work out. Where do NYCFC go from here? I have no clue. And I say that only because City, I feel like, are really good about finding these like random players from all over the place. And I mean, it's because they have this huge scouting network, obviously, with 
Man City and then all the other clubs that they've bought up all over the world. So, you know, when they announced Mitrita's signing or Bears, no one really knew who these guys were. And, you know, whether or not you want to call those successful transfers, that's a different topic. That being said, I have no idea who they're going to get next. I don't envision NYCFC going for like a big name designated player. They really haven't done that in a long time. So it's probably going to be one of these little diamonds in the roughs, you know, from somewhere around the world that nobody's heard of this guy. Also, I do want to throw out, literally a week ago is when we were saying that, oh, you know, Mitrita's getting released for international duty. He's got his pregnant wife in Romania. And then, bam, they're like, nope, he's getting he's getting loaned out. So that's kind of funny to me. Also, speaking of Saudi Arabian clubs, I did see some possible rumors about Osil joining P.T. Martinez at Al Nasser, which would just be hilarious to have both of them on the same team playing at the same time. Like that would like, that's like full 2020. Who could have possibly guessed? But Drew, what do you think? What where do you think NYC FC should go? What like positions do you think they should aim for with these two DP spots? Yeah, I think you bring up a good point because it reminds me a lot. Hate to bring it all the way back to Atlanta, but. Because when Atlanta signed, right, Joseph Martinez, Miguel Amarons, you really didn't know about these guys. They were just these players from South America that maybe they're good, maybe they're not, and they turn around, and Joseph breaks a goal-scoring record. Amarons, one of the best players, um, and he's in Europe now, right? So obviously it worked. So I think NYCFC is just going to pull that route. They're going to get some players that no one knows about, and it's going to end up being a massive success. They hope is going to be a massive success. Um, I do want to point out that... Um, Max Morales, yeah, knee injury. It was reported by MLS Soccer a couple days ago, the 10th, that he could return from his knee injury next week. So it kind of looks like maybe things shape up a little bit more. Um, but that was right after they sent Matrita onto his loan in Saudi Arabia. So, I mean, what they do from here, again, I really don't know. I think you go for a goal scorer that no one's really ever heard of, a young player, because when you brought up these old names, I mean, the only thing that came to my mind was Perlo and that, and you had Frank Lampard. So they've done it David in the past, Villa. but like you said, it feels like that, I, the, yeah, best of all, the best David of all Villa? this. Yeah. <laughs> You're right. Wait, yeah. hold on. What about Mix um, Discord? So, we're going to, you're just going to forget it. What is he up Nothing. to right now? We're not going to talk about it, but I want to know what Mix Discord, because I used to love him so much. I almost bought his jersey, but so that's a challenge for someone to find out what the heck Mix Discord is. I've never doing. even heard of that guy. Who he, is he? He's an American. He's exactly. an American player, and I'm pretty sure he's been with Man City. I'm throwing up air quotes here because he's never actually played for Man City. He's been with Man City's club for like almost 10 years i think like he's been with them for a long time so he was one of the players that like first played with nycfc and then he gets sent out on a loan every single year since then it's insane he scored the club's first goal i think that's against right. orlando if that's i right. am nyc mls legend man Nick's hey real quick though we're they're, they're saying that there's going to be two dp slots open for nycfc next year so obviously mitrita is one of them and I'm looking at their roster composition right now on the website, and that leaves Jesus Medina and Maxi Morales for next year. So, what does that mean? Either I, I don't. I mean, Maxi Morales is getting pretty old. I feel like he just re-upped his contract last year, if I remember correctly. Yes, Connor. Uh, Medina is getting bought down. Ah, okay. So he's not going to be a DP anymore. Okay, yeah. that's that's good business because he has not really performed at a DP level like ever. So. 
now Max Morales, by the way, just saying Father Time is getting him really fast. So unless he comes back really healthy next year, they might want to try to to get him out of that DP slot as well. But moving forward to uh, the last little bit of MLS league news that popped up today before we get into games. Yes, Connor. I was just going to say shout out to Cameron for that little tidbit because I didn't know that. Also, Jack Harrison, NYCFC. No. Why would he? What? On loan. On loan from Manchester City after his loan at Leeds expires because they don't want to give a good player to Leeds. Send him over back to the U.S., let him play here for a season, then join City. Nah, 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 nah. Harrison's too good to come back to NYCFC. Like, yeah, let me go from being coached from Marcelo Bielsa in the Premier League back to a baseball field. Nah, I I don't buy that that trajectory. It would be fun. It would be fun to have him, but I would be sort of sad for him if he had to come back to MLS after moving up the ranks already and going through the other European leagues. But moving on, last little bit of of MLS league news. Uh, Reggie Cannon recently did an interview. I think it was with, oh, I can't remember his name. It was a podcast with, I think it's Demarcus Beasley. He was on it. And um, Oguchi Onyewu. That's that's how you say his name. I think I can't. I'd have to look um, at it in front of me. But also I'll pull a former. Up the tweet now. He's also a former U.S. men's national team player. He was excellent in the FIFA World Cup 2010 South Africa video game. By the way, that's how I learned his name. Yes, it is Oguchi Onyewu, uh, right? Onyewu. Yes. Yeah. And right. Mabricio Wilson, whoever that is. So they just had Cannon on their podcast recently. And that was published today. And in it, Reggie Cannon revealed that after his comments on the fans booing him at the FC Dallas game for all the players kneeling, the club wrote up an apology for him to share with the public. And he was like, nah, I'm not doing that because I didn't do anything wrong. So props to Reggie Cannon. He is proving that he's extremely mature for his young age of 20 and I am I am continually impressed by his his maturity and the way he handles himself with all of these issues, which frankly twenty year olds shouldn't have to address and shouldn't have to deal with. But again, major props to him. I'm proud that he is representing this country, and hopefully he can help lead in the years to come as he uh, applies his trade over in Portugal. But moving on to a couple of the games this week, the bigger storylines. Portland, all of a sudden, they're up top of the Western Conference standings with Seattle. They beat LA Galaxy 6-3 on Wednesday night. San Jose, last night, 3-0. Thoughts on Portland and their sudden run? Drew, what are you, what are you thinking about the Timbers right now? I think it's the, it's the most Portland Timbers thing in the world that I don't understand how we didn't see a run like this coming. And I think when I look at like the recent score lines, the six to three um, win over the Galaxy is kind of this weird outlier, but they're not letting in a whole lot of goals, right? They shut out Seattle. I didn't even think that was possible to shut them out. They shut out Vancouver a little easier, right? Let up the three goals to the Galaxy, shut out San Jose, which when you play San Jose, you never know if you're going to let in six goals or if you're going to win by six right it feels like what are you going to do um Portland on the winning side of that obviously winning three nothing um this was after not too long about a month before they beat San Jose six to one right so San Jose you still know what's going on with them um 
<clears throat> but yeah, like we said, we're getting in the home stretch. This is coming off winning MLS's back tournament. They play RSL Wednesday. But I think what's sticking out is that it's just the defense, right? It's just putting up shutouts. You can't lose if you don't let the other team score. And following that win against San Jose, it was very every team does this. Every team can beat San Jose 6-1. to one. It's just a matter of which game you get them on. If you get the good earthquakes or the bad earthquakes. But then to come back from that on four days rest and shut out Seattle and beat them one nothing, I thought was really impressive. Um, and then to do it to do a 3 nothing win against San Jose again is really impressive. We'll learn a little, a lot more in the coming weeks. They have RSL Wednesday, then they play LAFC, then Seattle next week. Um, they wrap up with the Galaxy in Vancouver. So I think the defense has been really impressive to me. This is the most Portland Timbers thing ever. Uh, when they won it all in 2015, yeah, I just felt like this was this team that you don't know how they're sticking around. Very Miami Marlins-y. Right, you don't know how they're still there, but they keep staying there, and they keep until they winning. face the Braves. So just like, until they face the Braves, who's going to be the Portland Timbers <laughs> Braves is the question we'll have next week. But yeah, it's just very Portland Timbersy, right? We've seen this before. I think this is going to lead them very well into the playoffs. Maybe we have a repeat MLS Cup with the MLS's back. Maybe we have a Portland Orlando final. I don't know. Uh, so I'm excited. I thought the defense is taken out to me. And we'll see how well this goes. Again, they have five games left in this little stretch, one of them being Wednesday against RSL. But, yeah, the defense is impressing me a lot. A lot of shutouts, a lot of one-goal affairs with that weird three-goal hiccup with the Galaxy. But when you score six, you can let up as many goals as you want, right? Um, But, Connor, what have you thought about Portland's five-run, five-match winning streak? I didn't even realize they were on that good of a winning streak. And, honestly... I'm just impressed by the fact that they're doing this without Sebastian Blanco. Like, he hasn't been there at all. And I I feel like Valeri's injured. Is he not? No, he's still playing. He's still playing? Yeah. Okay, maybe it was a little while ago. But they're doing this without their best player in Sebastian Blanco. And to beat the Galaxy, it's the Galaxy. Not that surprising. Uh, San Jose, again, hit or miss. But this team is clearly making some noise uh i think it'll still be seattle in the final because seattle are insane but i could see portland potentially challenging and i don't know it's just it's been very impressive to see them be able to do this over the last five matches missing their best player i don't think there are many teams in mls who could do that you know maybe maybe lafc but they've struggled without vela definitely not toronto fc I can guarantee that. Um, I think I generally think they might be the only team. Uh, maybe Sa- uh, Seattle. Maybe Seattle. But it's an incredibly impressive run that they've gone on, and I see good things ahead for them. But they definitely need to keep this form up if they want to have a good shot in the playoffs and prevent having to play Seattle till as late as possible in the playoffs. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you, Connor. I, like, I was surprised that Portland just sort of won all these games in a row. And you're right, it's really impressive that you know, that, uh, Sebastian Blanco, uh, you know, major credit to Portland and their front office for building a strong, deep team. I think it's really great that you see players like Eric Williamson and uh, Nia's Gota, the forward, other players that are contributing like Jimmy Chara 
and Felipe Mora. I mean, these are all guys that have been brought in in the last year or two or have just started getting minutes with the first team in Eric Williamson's case. But again, I mean, these aren't the, the brightest players on the team. You know, it's not Diego Chara. It's not Diego Valeri. It's not Sebastian Blanco. It's not Jeremy Obobese, but they've come in. They've done nothing but boost the team. And I think if you're a Portland Timbers fan, you are feeling pretty comfortable against almost any team because you know that, hey, even if Valeri isn't playing 100%, if Obobese's not on his A game, well, then guess what? You got plenty of other options to come in and save the day if needed. And this is definitely not the same team that a year ago was just whipping crosses into the box for no reason at all, just doing it for fun. This is a team that they've developed multiple ways to beat other teams. And like Drew said, their defense has also started to pick up as well. So they seem like they're getting hot at the right time. I'm really excited for how they'll do down the stretch just because so much can change so fast in sports. So hopefully Portland can keep that run going. It'll be really interesting to see if they get to get another trophy this year. I guess we're really the only club that can boast that with all the other competitions that being canceled and postponed and whatnot. But speaking of clubs that have won trophies and plenty of them, Toronto also still on fire. We talked about it a lot in last week's episode, how they beat Philadelphia and NYCFC and Columbus. They have done nothing but continue to roll this week. They knocked off new England, one, nothing and Cincinnati, one, nothing. Now, I put this in the dock just because at this point we know Toronto's good. They're the first team in the league to clinch a playoff spot, so congratulations to them. Again, this is a testament to them as a club to build all the success over what is now basically five or six years. Super impressive in MLS, by the way. But let's talk about maybe some weaknesses with the team. One thing that jumped out to me is their score lines this week. Only one nothing wins. New England's not exactly the greatest team in the league, although they're definitely a tough opponent. And then Cincinnati, I mean, they suck. So to only get a one nothing win, I think is a little surprising. Connor, what's going on? Is this something maybe Reds fans should be worried about? Is this because of Josie Altidore's injury? What's going on with the Reds, and how can they maybe improve to avoid being scary and only winning by one goal? Well, first of all, I don't think I would call Cincinnati a bad team. I think they're a team that really struggles to score goals. No, 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 But no. they can no. prevent them. No, you don't get this. Yes. They're they're a bad team. You can't make the argument for them that they're good. I think they've won one time since MLS is back. They, they had the one little stretch at the tournament where they won two games. But since then, they've won just once. And to put that in perspective, Atlanta has won more than them, and I think D.C. has won more than them. So but how many games have they drawn? Also not that many. I'm, I'm, I'm going to look it up while you're, while you're talking about it. But Please do. Four. Four draws? Yes. Compared to DC's five. So they've got seven Who's points. In last? From, yeah, from the restart? Great. No, it's pretty terrible. Well, they prevent goals. I think that's the big thing. You know, they All don't right, that's, I'll give teams, you that. I'll give you that. They don't let teams score somehow because their back line's made up of a bunch of nobodies. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I don't think I'm worried about Toronto scoring. Uh Josie really didn't supply supply that when he was healthy. I think he has like two goals on the season. Um, but they, of course that hamstring injury hurts. Uh, I said last week in our episode, oh, I don't think it'll be that bad. He's out for four to five weeks. So that's not <laughs> ideal. Um, but yeah, I don't, I'm just not that worried. What worries me is the back line. 
the back line is terrible. Like, of course, first of all, I should say happy Canadian Thanksgiving to any Canadians out there. Uh, if you had your turkey early and you were in a turkey coma, Laura Simon promptly woke you up from that coma and almost put your heart in your mouth with whatever the hell he did in the 94th minute where he almost scored on his own goal from like the halfway line. That's like, awesome. Like, come on. I, my dad physically screamed because he thought that was going to go in. Um, so that needs to be sorted out. How Eric Zavaleta got into the team of the week, I'll never understand, but that's good for him. He's been pretty decent over the last couple matches somehow. Um, Omar Gonzalez, he got really lucky last night. That's all I can say. He got really lucky. That probably should have still been a penalty. But, yeah, that's the back line's my biggest fear, the two central defenders. Drew, I want to ask you this. Looking at Toronto's upcoming schedule, they've got Red Bulls at home this Wednesday, Atlanta home on Saturday, and they still have to face Philadelphia, New York City FC, Miami, and Red Bulls again. So they got six games left. They're on a seven-game unbeaten streak right now, six wins in a row when is that streak going to end if it's going to end before the playoffs come so last week i made the statement that toronto <laughs> cannot beat bad teams and i disagree with connor i think cincinnati is a bad team so toronto proved me wrong but they, they came close i think i'm on to something here i think i'm on to something with the toronto can't beat bad teams um and when i look at right they got five games left um i think Six games left. I'm sorry. Two against Red Bulls. Yeah. And I'm trying to look at the bad teams they have to play, right? And in a weird case, LA United is one of those bad teams that they have to play. But it feels like Atlanta cannot beat Toronto. Um, So I'm not saying Atlanta will beat them. Um, This is an unbeaten streak, right? It's not just a winning streak. So it's, yeah, which, it's a draw and six wins. So which over the team last seven. is going to get all three points against Toronto FC? It will end, and it will end Inter Miami. Why not? Let's do it. I don't think the Inter Miami is a good team. Toronto, I think Cincinnati kind of proved I was onto something there. Um, there's no reason why Inter Miami should win that game. Just like there was no reason Toronto. Apart from the fact that they just signed Gonzalo Higuain. That that that's yeah, that's a good point. He's <laughs> that, he's no pretty dang he. good, isn't he? Yeah, that free kick he scored. I don't remember who it was against, but it was like his first goal in the league or something. Pretty phenomenal. Yeah. So Connor is yeah. just adding on to my theory that it will end inter miami's going to beat them uh but yeah i think could question for you josh um i think they have a two point lead in the three point lead in the supporter three. shield over philadelphia they play philadelphia so that's a really big game does toronto win the supporter shield this year i oh man that's a good question this I, is does the supporter shield like even count to you this year with all this playing Canadian oh, teams? Oh yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Absolutely. Really, Whoa, that's a good point. Um, Beating up on the man. Vancouver Whitecaps all the time. That's okay. You're, that's a really good point. So you've got me you're questioning saying that. that. You're saying that, but we've lost to them. That's so... true. Which makes it look even worse for them. <laughs> well, or does that make it more impressive because they had to beat more good teams and got less points against the crappers? Uh. I think it's still embarrassing that they lost. Oh, yeah, it's still embarrassing. Crappers Crappers is my new favorite term. Well, it's no offense to Vancouver, but they have like six goalkeepers at this point who could be starters. Krapow's back. I saw a video of him on training on Instagram. 
Kripal. They got Evan Bush, I believe. They got Hassal, although he's out with injury. Four uh, keepers, baby. That's four keepers yeah. for them this year, which is like, insane. Okay, so back to your supporters to your question. Looking at the standings and where teams sit and looking at Toronto's remaining schedule, I do think Toronto's going to end up getting the Supporters' Shield, which should they go through with it, two, two Supporters' Shields in four years, fantastic achievement, so props to them. But I think their winless streak, or not winless, my bad, their, their undefeated Winning. streak. Yeah, yeah, their, un, their undefeated streak. So well, I think they're, they're going to lose. They're currently five they're games. Seven. They're currently on a five-game win streak. Well, they have, They've won five straight. They won the last six. Is it six? I thought it was five. Oh, I'm Maybe sorry. It is six. It's a, it's a five-game winning streak. It is a seven-game yeah. unbeaten streak because there was that draw against DC. Wow, they drew right. against DC. Oh. That's embarrassing in hindsight. That being said, <laughs> I think uh, Philadelphia Union will win only because they're the home team in that case. So I think. That's my justification for them being able to win. Although, I don't know. Maybe with all this international duty, I know they're missing uh, a player or two, if I'm not mistaken, Philadelphia is. But I digress. So I, th- I think Philadelphia might be able to uh, give them a little bit of trouble before they get to the end. But looking at the schedule, definitely think Toronto is going to get the Supporters' Shield. Can I change my biggest fear and biggest worry about Toronto FC? Yes. The last five minutes of a match. Every single last five minutes... I want to cry. It is that terrifying. Like, they just can't do anything. It's so frustrating. Uh, I think Toronto will win the Supporters' Shield, though. Uh, I They're in very, very good form. Uh, I think Red Bulls, it might be a difficult match because it's, I believe, their first match under the new manager. So that'll be really interesting to see how he does. But, yeah, I... Again, it is a tough one. I agree that if they're going to lose one game, it will be Inter-Miami because I think they're a lot better than they look. And they will be a lot better uh, once they start to mesh a little bit because that team's got some serious talent. uh, And I'm hoping to avoid them in the playoffs. But yeah, it's going to be a tough, tough test for Toronto. Yeah, it's going to be interesting for sure seeing how Supporter Shield ends up with that really big match against Philadelphia coming up. But going to Toronto's rival, I think you could say, rival Seattle, given how many times they played in MLS Cup, going to Seattle. Um, LAFC upset Seattle, which is weird to think that LAFC can upset someone because we just assume LAFC is like the team that gets upset. But given the circumstances, LAFC pulled the upset against Seattle 3 1. Um, this is coming off Seattle beating RSL 2-1 to earlier this week. And then LAFC's game, obviously, against Colorado uh, Wednesday got canceled. So LAFC and Seattle played 3-1 to win for LAFC. Probably my biggest takeaway from that game was that free kick by Ladero. I know that was the only goal they scored, but that was incredible. I don't know if we have goal of the weeks, but that should have been a nominee. Eric Hurtado's volley for SKC was up there, too. But Ladero... Just wonderful. That was just gorgeous could not believe it yeah so ladera pulled that free kick out um when you just start including best goals of the week to our podcast that's something we should we should note but yeah lafc upsetting seattle three to one um and the thing i think when you thought of, think about this win you look at all the players lafc is missing right carlos vela not there brian, brian rodriguez isn't there diego rossi atuesta isn't there and then talk about injuries mark anthony k went down with the ankle injury in the sixth minute was subbed on was replaced and then his replacement got hurt like 10 minutes later and LAFC still 
finds a way to beat the best team in the league three to one. So uh, I'm trying to find the standings about where they are right now. But what did this Josh, this win, tell you about LAFC? Are they kind of returning to the LAFC that most people assume they are? I I refuse to believe that they are just because you know all those players he just listed off. I mean they're missing like half of their usual starting eleven, and that's like the good half of the starting eleven because the bad half of the starting eleven, which is mostly their defense and goalkeeper, like they're still not good yet. Uh, that being said, I I cannot believe they won this game. I just cannot believe it. Not not even to mention the fact that their first goal came after all that injury nonsense in the first like fifteen minutes. So like Seattle could have easily just like stepped on their necks and just stayed there the whole game and they never even got the chance. So I will say super impressive win by LAFC. I think one of the things that's been missing from them besides their players and what they've been dealing with is they just haven't had that like killer mentality that really good teams have. And I don't, I'll be, I'll go ahead and say, I don't think LAFC has been really good at all this year. I think they've been good at times for sure. And they're definitely always a team that needs to be reckoned with. But at the same time, like, they don't they don't look like the team they were a year ago where you just assumed they were going to win every single game. And so for them to, to come away with this win against, again, a, a very, very good Seattle team, super impressed. And I can't wait to see these teams play again because they're definitely I, – I have to look at the schedule. I don't even know if they're playing each other in the regular season again, but – Chances are they'll meet in the playoffs because it seems like that's what usually happens with these two teams. But I'm excited to see when they play again. I think Seattle's going to want a little bit of revenge, but definitely an impressive win by LAFC. Yeah, I think I'd have to agree with you. Um, it'll be interesting to see how they do without Mark Anthony K because that is a pretty big loss. And as a Canadian, hurts to see. Um, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it's so weird how LAFC are either like, they're both succeeding and failing at the same time. If that's a way to say it, I guess. Like it's it's really, really weird. It's funny you mention that because uh J. Sam Jones, University of Georgia graduate writer for Dirty South Soccer, he has recently been writing a lot for MLS.com for their for their website, and he just did a piece on LAFC about how they are everything at once. They are good, they are bad, they are fun, they are terrifying, like, literally everything. And they, like, exist somehow with, like, every single possibility you can think of. So it's funny that you're saying, I don't know how they can be so good and good and bad at the same time, and yet here they are. They're, they're doing it. I don't know how, but they're doing it. Yeah, it's really, really weird to watch. By the way, speaking of the segment, if you're listening to this podcast and you have any sort of segments you'd want us to do, Message us on Twitter. Tweet at us. Uh, if you're a part of the MLS Multiplex Slack, send us a message there. We'd love to hear about some of your ideas and what you'd love to hear us talk about on this podcast. Uh, otherwise, we'll continue doing the show the way we do it. But if you have any sort of interesting ideas, like even what Cameron uh, messaged just earlier about, uh, he was sort of the instrumental part of creating that little NYCFC segment. If you have any sort of ideas like that, message us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you and we'd love to talk about what you want to hear about. Uh, but yeah, is there anything else we want to mention of the games or do we want to jump into the players, the standings and the games to watch? 
All right. Let's go with players of the week first. Uh, just cause. <laughs> um, Jeremy Obobese and Ta- Danny Mazowski. Mazowski won the honors this week. Hopefully I said that name right. Josh, who did you vote for? I voted for Jeremy Obobese. I thought his left-footed free kick was gorgeous. So that's two really good Cascadia free kicks we got this week between him and Lodero. But yeah, his goal was just fantastic on that Wednesday night. And again, it was it was big for them to score all those goals on Galaxy, um, even if they were sort of having a, a little bit of defensive issues. So I went with him. He continues to be one of my favorite players in the league. I love like everything he does. And for him to score a free kick and he scores with his head, he scores with his left foot, he scores with his right foot, he can score on corner kicks. I mean, every time he scores a goal, it's something different, which I think is extremely impressive for such a young American player, especially at a position where the men's national team seems to always have a need for. So definitely want to keep an eye on him. But I picked Obovese and he ended up winning. And then for last night's uh, conclusion of the week for the weekend, I picked Lee Wynn who I don't think got a lot of attention in the voting, unfortunately, but he assisted the first goal for Revolution against NYCFC on that stupid baseball field and scored the game-winning penalty for them to win 2-1. to one. And very quietly, Revolution are up to, I think, fifth in the Eastern Conference standings, and they have yet to lose consecutive matches under Bruce Arena, which is insane because that's now almost two years worth of matches so props to them i thought lee win was really instrumental for them and what could be a catalyst for them into the playoffs although i did vote for mazovsky as my second pick so definitely deserving for him but i thought lee win deserved a little more respect uh what what did you guys have for your uh players of the week for wednesday night's games and then for weekend's action yeah for yeah i think it was this weekend's action i had nia's Goda um because he scored two goals against san jose they played yesterday. Um, yeah, to again, to keep saying with Portland and Josh's Jeremy's, Jeremy Abobasi pick, um, they came out of halftime, tied at nothing, nothing. And I thought Nia's Goda scored two goals really fast. He came out in the 46th minute, got a goal, and followed up in the 52nd minute and got a goal. And Felipe Mora kind of ended things late on to give him a 3 nothing win. But yeah, I thought this game had the potential to trip up Portland in this little winning streak, unbeaten streak they're going on, especially with San Jose. Um, had all the makings for maybe a San Jose 6 nothing win or something like that. So for him to come out in halftime, I thought it was really big, get the ball going, and then scoring again really fast. I thought it was really good to keep Portland's stretch going on as they kind of climb up the top of the West and maybe make a supporter shield run. Um, but for the last, was it like, it's so hard to keep track of these games, the last weekend's game. Uh, yeah, I copped out. I said above a seat. I thought he played really good. So I went the double Portland duo uh for this episode which you bring a really good point josh i listened to a men's national team podcast this past week talking about how no one's really talking about abobasi getting in the national team picture but he's been really good really good player and he's performing really well in mls he did really well in mls's back tournament so maybe this little 2020 stretch he's on gets him a little more attention and a little more potentially playing in the u.s kit because that would be really cool to see uh so i went with the double portland combo this episode connor who did you pick it for your players of the week uh i have i guess two 
Ah, they're kind of the same for this week. And that is the first one, the referees, because without the referees, Toronto FC would not have won any of their games because Iowa Canola definitely fouled on his goal and Omar Gonzalez definitely shouldn't have had that penalty call reverse. But uh, in all seriousness, I'm going to go with Jeremy Obosi uh, because I just think he's insane. And yeah, I like him. I really like him as well. I think he's a very, very talented player. Uh, and for the Sunday games, I don't, I don't, I can't really pick one. I think it'd just be Obosi for the full week, honestly. Um, because Portland are playing really, really well, and he's an instrumental part of that uh, picture. But I did want to say quickly, shout out to the Vancouver Whitecaps, who traded, uh, I think it was a fourth-round Super Draft pick for Evan Bush and his $400,000 salary for this year and next year for him to start two games before Maxime Carpeau was announced as back tonight. So <laughs> shout out Vancouver for making brilliant roster decisions. Uh, let's look at the standings, though, where we will not see Vancouver at all. Starting <laughs> in the East, uh, Toronto is leading the way with 37 points, clinched a playoff spot because we're the best team in the league, uh, followed closely behind by Philly, uh, sitting at 34, and Columbus having, I believe it was, they lost this week uh, to Montreal. So they're still sitting at 31. I, no, um, I think there was a draw, and then they, their other game got canceled. They lost was to Montreal I, last week. Yeah. I mean, like five days ago. But that was after drawing with yeah. FC Dallas. Wow, they really lost to Montreal? That's embarrassing. So they've gone three yeah. matches without a win going back to Toronto beating them 3-1. Yeah. What can I say? We're killers. Uh, <laughs> that was so bad. Going to the West... Uh, Seattle sitting at 30, tied with Portland at 30, and SKC are trailing behind at 29. So the entire East is currently leading the league, top three. Uh, Seattle and Portland are trailing behind a little bit, but it wouldn't be be surprising to see them jump into the picture. What are your sort of thoughts on the top three in both East and West, and are there any notables for you? Yeah, you know, again, props to Toronto for very steadily and quickly climbing up the standings. Speaking of Columbus, they haven't won in three matches, so I think definitely some red flags are starting to fly if you are a Columbus fan. And looking at the remaining schedule, it's kind of all over the place. I mean, you get teams like D.C., Atlanta, and Cincinnati, but then you also have to deal with Philadelphia and NYCFC. So going to be really interesting to see if this slide continues all the way into the playoffs or if maybe they pick it up again. Uh, and then other than that, the only thing I think I have to add is how is Sporting Kansas City still in the top three in the West? I don't understand it. They don't do anything. Like, they don't have any memorable wins. They don't. Well, they did have the memorable goal last night. But I just don't understand how they're, like, somehow still in third only by a point. I guess it's kind of impressive in its own way, but I'm, I'm still very surprised by that. Yeah, I think you bring a good point. And we, I think last week we talked about it more, like how much the East is leading the way. Orlando City in fourth in the East with 30 points would be tied for first in the West with Portland, Seattle um, with 30 points. And yeah, you bring up a good point with SKC because they are they have a five-point cushion between them and LAFC between that third and fourth spot. Um, 
so that's interesting because we I don't think we've talked about an SKC win on this podcast because it doesn't feel like they have a big statement win but the most Midwest way ever they just keep doing the way they're doing it's not much but it's honest work and they keep winning um so I think they're a flyover club <laughs> it's exa- yes it's exactly what they're which is weird given how successful they've been um but yeah I think the supporter shield race at the top of the east given this big match between Toronto and Philadelphia is what catches my eye in the top two with Philadelphia only being three points behind um, Toronto. Also, with Columbus's rough stretch, uh, they're only a point ahead of Orlando City for that third-place spot, so maybe we'll see Orlando City jump them. Um, But yeah, that top four, pretty congested in the East, so that's what sticks out to me. I'm really excited for that Toronto-Philadelphia game in a couple weeks, but staying a little closer to now, getting ready for our games to watch for this upcoming week. My game to watch, I'm sticking with Cascadia. I'm going Portland LAFC. Um, I just want to see if Portland can keep the stretch going on. LAFC coming off that huge win against Seattle. Can they do it again to another Cascadia team in Portland? Or is the winning streak, the unbeaten streak, going to end? So I'm excited about that. So my game to watch, Sunday night, Portland and LAFC. Josh, what is your game to watch? I've got Toronto Atlanta United selected. I am really interested to see how that game goes. Obviously, Toronto typically beat Atlanta anyway when Atlanta was good. So, and they're <laughs> definitely not good right now. Um, but yeah, I, I just I'm intrigued about how that match could go, and I, I don't necessarily think it's like a trap game for Toronto. I just think. I feel like maybe Atlanta will will kind of step things up because they're playing Toronto. They're going to say, hey, this is a team that we don't really necessarily like. Let's go ahead and just uh, kind of ruin their season for them a little bit. Man, it would be some poetic justice if Atlanta beat them and took the Supporters' Shield away from them the way Toronto did it to Atlanta. That being said, I bet you some Atlanta players are going to be like, yeah, we... We definitely want to take the supporter shield away from them and then get smacked like five nothing. I could definitely see that <laughs> happening. So we'll we'll see. But that's my game of this week. What about uh, you, Connor? Well, I also just want to throw back to 2017 when you allowed us to set the points record at MLS because that was just as good. Um, my game of the week is also a Toronto FC game, but it's Wednesday night's game where they're playing the New York Red Bull. Uh, I don't know is is Struber coming in for this match. I'm not sure when he'll be in exactly. I know he's still sort of working out like visa paperwork stuff and probably quarantine too, so don't know for sure. Well, I'm going with that match because Toronto FC are coming off a three days rest with a very shifted squad against Cincinnati. Uh, Potentially it'll be uh, Gerard Stuber's first match in charge for them, and I think that could be really interesting. But before I throw it to Drew, I do want to say Sam, uh, this name again, Sam Skeskal, Skeskal, yes. Uh, he just tweeted because he put out a story with Paul Tenorio. Uh, Despite a series of postponements over the weekend, MLS is unlikely to shift back to a bubble for the postseason. And some new info on the Rapids, who, according to his source, trained today in limited fashion. So they trained today, uh, which is a good sign. But I'll now throw this to you, Drew, uh, and you can sort of take us out because you guys have a baseball game to watch in like 10 minutes. Yes, we do. So the stress is already rising as I close out this podcast, but go Braves. <laughs> um, but yeah, thank you again so much for listening. Um, as always, really appreciate listeners. And as always, please visit MLSMultiplex.com uh, to get 
a lot of really awesome written content from us three as well as our other writers. We have a lot of writers, and they're cranking out some really good stuff based on the teams they watch or just league-wide. So please visit MLSMultiplex.com and visit MLSMultiplex on Twitter at MLSMultiplex and find us on Twitter. You can find Josh at Josh underscore Boland, Connor at CWG Somerville, and myself at underscore Drew Hubbard. And just to check out all of our tweets about soccer, um, the Maple Leafs, the Atlanta Falcons, I'm sure Josh and I will have some pretty sad tweets as the Braves probably lose tonight. But be sure to visit us on social media. <laughs> and again, like we mentioned last week, don't want to harp on it too much, but again, we're working on getting moved to the official fan-sided network. Um, so again, uh, I believe we have now in. officially joined fan-sided. Yeah. Um, there are still potentially some changes to come, but I believe everything should still be going up through the Apple Podcast, Spotify links, because that's where I tweeted the podcast out from last week. Uh, but if they're not there, just check our Twitters out, and maybe there might be an ad at some point in the podcast. So just a heads up for that. Uh, but Drew, take us out. Yeah, so again, thanks so much for listening. Um, be sure to leave us reviews. Um, we love hearing how we can get better, what we're doing right, what we're doing wrong, because we love all and any feedback. And again, yeah, check out the website, check us out on social media, and we will see you next week. Thank you for listening to the MLS Multiplex podcast. Check out all of the contributors' written work at MLSMultiplex.com. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.